Hey family, in this video, we're going to be talking about the 10 negative effects spiritual immaturity has on success. But before we get into that, let me make sure I break down the definition of success, but also make sure you go to the description box below and download the worksheet that will help you assess where you are spiritually and to see how it will affect the producing or the protection of your success. But let's define what spiritual immaturity is. And for those who join me, go ahead and get your questions in because I'll be doing a live q and It says spiritual immaturity refers to a state, to go that word state again, where a person's faith and understanding of God's word and principles are underdeveloped. It often signifies a limited grasp of the teachings of the Bible, a lack of spiritual discernment, and a struggle to live in accordance with the moral and ethical standards set forth in scripture. It typically involves a lack of depth, and insight in matters of the spirit or the inability to apply one's spiritual beliefs consistently in daily life. It continues to read that characteristics of spiritual immaturity may include a limited understanding of one's purpose, superficial adherence to religious or spiritual practices, and a struggle to exhibit qualities such as compassion, empathy and wisdom associated with spiritual growth. A lot of uh, uh, stuff in that definition, but I'm going to take some time to break it down. When it says that uh, spiritual immaturity refers to a state, that means that's where you dwell. That's who you are. That's where uh, you have gotten yourself to. Right now, I live in the state of North Carolina. I can't physically live in two states at the same time. So spiritual immaturity is a state by which a person lives. It continues to read where a person's faith and understanding of God's word and principles are underdeveloped. It is important to ensure that we develop. The goal in life is not to just be on milk. It's time to go from milk to meat. It's time for us to get to a place where we can really succeed. But a lot of people are coasting off of their church teachings, off of their preacher's teachings, off of influential Christian influencers' teachings, but they haven't developed in of themselves. It says, uh, where a person's faith and understanding of God's word and principles are underdeveloped. It often signifies a limited grasp of the teachings of the Bible, a lack of spiritual discernment, and a struggle to live in accordance with the moral and ethical standards set forth in scriptures. I want to get here. It typically involves a lack of depth and insight in matters of the spirit or the inability to apply one's spiritual beliefs consistently in daily life. See, God wants us to get to a place where we have depth where we have deeper understanding, where we have discernment, where we're in a place where we're able to truly understand the matters of the spirit. See, the thing that most people fail to realize is that they are a spiritual being. Everything in the natural is a byproduct of the spiritual. Your true self is your spirit. The crazy thing is, most people are not living in harmony in of themselves. See, God is harmonious in of himself. That's why God doesn't need us. He wants us. 
But if God needed us, that means some aspect of him is not self-sufficient in who he is. And the goal that God has for us is for us to be also harmonious. He wants our he wants our body, our soul, and our spirit to work in harmonious connection to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But unfortunately, most people live more in their physical and soulless realm than they do in a spiritual realm. Most people fed their bodies three meals today. Most people failed, fed their soul three meals a day. But most people only gave their spirit man a snack. How can you survive spiritual attacks if all you fed your spirit man were snacks? We have to get to a place where we're feeding that spiritual man, that we understand the matters of the spirit, that we are in tune with the Holy Spirit so that we can uh, succeed in life. It typically involves a lack of depth and insight in matters of the spirit or the inability to apply one's spiritual beliefs consistent life. So spiritual immaturity proves that you pray or we pray inconsistently, that we that we read our words inconsistently, that, that we study God's word inconsistency, inconsistently, that we uh, meditate on God's word inconsistently. And so spiritual immaturity proves that there's a lack of, of, of consistency when it comes to uh, spiritual maturity. It says characteristics of spiritual immaturity may include a limited understanding of one's purpose. So when a person doesn't understand who they are in Christ and they haven't matured in their spiritual life, it is evident in their lack of understanding of their purpose. See, your purpose is not in the physical realm. Your purpose is not in your soulless realm. Your, your purpose and my purpose is in the spiritual realm. Our purpose is locked in who we are spiritually. And when we do not grow spiritually, then we don't grow in a place where our soul and our body can be assets and not liabilities to the success of our purpose. It also says uh, superficial adherence to spiritual practice, meaning that prayer is superficial. We don't have a deeper understanding of what prayer is. And I'm going to talk about that possibly later this week. It also says or struggle to exhibit qualities such as compassion, empathy and wisdom that comes from spiritual growth. Those are three markets to really see if you're spiritually grown, right? Spiritual growth is evident in one's life when they have compassion, when they have empathy, and they have wisdom. Here's a scripture that I want to read that really gets us thinking along the lines of this topic because a lot of people are successful. And the issue is their lack of spiritual growth or spiritual maturity is going to eventually affect their success. Or it will hinder them from producing success. See, God's success or success in God's eyes is holistic. The world's view of success is one dimensional. See, God's view of success is holistic. God wants you and I to be successful in all areas. For instance, God wants me to be successful not just in my professional endeavors, but he wants me to be successful in my personal growth. He wants me to be successful spiritually. He wants me to be successful emotionally and mentally. He wants me to be successful physically. He wants me to be successful relationally. He wants me to be successful generationally. And also, he wants me to be successful professionally. But most people are only successful professionally and they're neglecting the foundation of spiritual growth right the, the the foundation of all success is spiritual growth let me say it again the foundation to all success 
is spiritual growth. Let's keep going. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says this. It's a verse that really uh, puts things in perspective. Verse 12 says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. What is Paul saying or the writer of Hebrews? He says, man, I've been rocking with you all for a while. I've been covering you all for a while. I've been your spiritual leader for a while. You ought to be teachers now. He said, by this time, you and I should be teachers. That's what God is saying to us. Can you really teach others how to operate at high level spiritually? Can you truly teach people on the matters of success? Like, like professional success without spiritual success is short-lived. Relational success without spiritual success is short-lived. And so Paul, the writers of Hebrews are saying, we ought to be teachers by now. It says, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. He said, do you need me to come back and go through the basics? Because modern day Christianity has become flashy. It has lost sight of the fundamental aspects of spiritual growth. So many individuals endeavor to grow big churches, but not to grow big Christians. What, what purpose is it? Or what profit is it for an individual to grow a big church where they have 5,000 people, but only 100 has been converted? God does not measure the success of a church or the success of an individual based upon outward expressions, quote unquote, of their walk with God. He measures it by the authenticity, spiritually sealed, stamped of approval that that person has been signed, sealed and delivered by the Holy Ghost. And if that evidence is not materialized in one's life, where a person begins to have remorse for their sins, when, it, when a person gets to a place where they no longer desire to sin, and they get to a place where they desire to win for God's glory, if that's not evident in your life, then my friend, there's no evidence of spiritual conversion. And so a lot of people do not understand enough to even have the evidence of salvation. I told my students in Bible class, I said, do you have enough evidence that you've been saved. And that's my question to you. Do you have enough evidence that you are saved? Because you cannot grow spiritually if you haven't been saved. If you haven't been converted, there can't be any spiritual growth because a dead person spiritually cannot grow spiritually. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. It continues to read, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish from good and evil. That verse is highly layered. Let's break it down. It says you need milk, not solid food. How many believers are 30 years old, 40 years old, 25 years old, 18 years old, been walking with God for multiple years, quote unquote, but they're still sipping on milk. God wants us to get to meat. God wants to get to a place where we're able to eat food. I just had a daughter. I just had a baby. I literally watched her go from milk alone to meat. Now she's eating solid foods. So God is saying most of us who are grown physically, but babes spiritually are still trying to sit on God's lap or try to still uh, sit on some preacher's lap or whoever's lap and still drink milk. God's like, man, put the milk away. Like it's time for us to grow. And it says, uh, you need milk, not solid food. Verse 13, for everyone who lives on milk, 
is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he or she is a child. I love this word because it talks about skill. It talks about practice. It talks about training. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled. God wants us to be skilled believers. He wants us to be skilled in prayer, skilled in fasting, skilled in studying God and exegeting his word. He wants us to be skilled in meditation. He wants us to be skilled in purpose. He wants us skilled. But you cannot be uh, 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 skilled if you're still drinking skim milk. He wants us to get to a place where we are skilled. He says those or who live on milk are unskilled in the words of righteousness. When you get the word of God, are you a master of it? Are you a master craftsman? Are you skilled at it? Can you take a verse and, and, and apply the principles in it and turn it into skill in your life so that you can win in life? That's what spiritual maturity is, that one is skilled in the matters of God. Because if we're not skilled in the words of righteousness, how can we end up living righteously? Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained. Discernment must be trained. I'm going to do a video on discernment and how discernment leads to success. But our discernment must be trained. Means that we that we are executing at high levels of discernment. I told my students the other day, I said, the reason why and I posted on YouTube, I talked about how uh, the Holy Spirit is the only one qualified to interview for our five, Fortune 500 lives. He is the only one skilled enough, able enough to interview for our Fortune 500 lives. Every one of us should be living like a Fortune 500 company, like a business. And we got to make sure that in order for our business to thrive, I got to have systems in place to ensure that, that the proper people are hired and the wrong people are fired. But the reason why the Holy Spirit is the only one qualified to do interviews for our lives, because the interviewee has an interview of them or them. He has the interview. And so when we understand that discernment has to be skilled, that means I have to spar with the Holy Spirit. I have to train with the Holy Spirit. I have to know what's, what's of the Holy Spirit. I must be familiar with the fruit of the Holy Spirit so that I can have my discernment trained by what? Constant practice. Listen, practice doesn't lead to perfection. Practice leads to things being permanent. When you practice a strong prayer life, it becomes a permanent aspect of you. And so we have to practice constantly so that we'll be able to distinguish between between good and evil. So that verse is, is layered. And the question I have for you, are you still sipping on milk or are you mature enough to eat meat? Now, here are the effects, 10 effects of spiritual immaturity on success and how it can manifest in our lives. Number one, lack of purpose. The 10, here's 10 negative effects of spiritual immaturity on either producing success or protecting success. There's a lot of people right now who are saying, coach, I endeavor to be a highly successful person. Coach, I endeavor to be holistically successful. Coach, I desire to be successful God's way. And there are some people that says, hey, coach, I'm highly successful professionally. I, I make millions of dollars. I, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a businessman. I'm a businesswoman. I'm an executive. I'm a professional athlete. I am successful professionally. I'm an actress. I'm an actor. I have a lot of money. I'm successful. But coach, I'm afraid. 
I'm nervous that I may not have what it takes to be spiritually mature enough to protect it. So these are the negative effects of how spiritual immaturity can affect the producing of success and the protection of success. Number one, lack of purpose. Spiritual immaturity may lead to a lack of clarity about one's purpose or values making it challenging to set meaningful goals and achieve success. Again, lack of purpose, spiritual immaturity, not being solid in God, not being mature in God may lead to a lack of clarity about one's purpose. Do you know there's a lot of billionaires right now, millionaires right now that are bankrupt eternally? They have no clarity of their purpose. Like, like, I don't want to stand before God and God says, Josh, the preacher, come forward. Josh, the communicator, come forward. Josh, the author, come forward. But I'm Josh, the accountant. I'm Joshua, the international businessman. Like, like God is going to, God is not going to measure me by how successful I was in an area that I wasn't called to. I had a young lady, uh, we talked about this to a degree in class, and she said, hey, I want to be a, a, a dancer. I want to be, I want to uh, worship God and, and, and bring success to the kingdom of God through dance. And I, I use her as an example. I said, imagine her pursuing a career that God never intended for her. And all those young girls and all the peers in her class who will one day want their daughters to be trained by her dance ministry, what will happen to them if she doesn't dance? But if she makes a lot of money and she's highly successful, but if she's bankrupt in heaven, my friend, listen, the best account to invest in is your eternal account. See, see, most people have a lot of money in their bank account, but have no money in their eternal account. The Bible says it's not wise for us to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. He says, but it's imperative for us to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust can destroy or thieves can break in and steal. That doesn't imply that you can't have success in both areas, but it does imply that the best place to store your treasure in is to store it in heaven where it will always be protected. How many people are going to store so much down here? And then if they do make it to heaven, they don't have enough in their heavenly bank account for however the currency is ran in heaven. I still believe that when we get to heaven, we're going to focus, for, uh, flourish, and function in our purposes. People think that when we get to heaven, that we're just going to have a million-year-long concert. That's not what it means when we're going to worship God in heaven. Worshiping God in heaven doesn't mean it's going to be a worship service all day. Worshiping God in heaven is going to be executing in our purposes in heaven. When I get to heaven, I'm probably going to still write books. When I get to heaven, I'm probably still going to coach people. When I get to heaven, I'm probably going to still preach and encourage people because that's my worship. It would just be worship without sin. There's going to be a lot of people in heaven that's going to still want to learn how to bake. There's going to be people in heaven that's going to want to still learn how to dance. There's going to be people in heaven who's going to want to still learn about entrepreneurship. And it's going to be you functioning your purpose up in heaven that will worship God through through, through the millions and upon millions upon millions of years in heaven through our skill set. And so what am I saying? If, if you lay up for yourself treasures down here only, and you're living in a purpose that God never clarified for you, it can cost you eternally. Spiritually immature immaturity may lead to a lack of clarity about one's purpose or values, making it challenging to set meaningful goals and achieve success. Number two, difficulty coping with stress. 
Individuals with spiritual immaturity may struggle to cope with stress, which can negatively impact or negatively affect their performance and decision making in professional and in their professional and personal life. So when a person is not spiritually mature and understanding the peace of God, the grace of God, what it means to be content, the joy of God and how it strengthens us. When a person is spiritually immature in those areas and having truly embraced God and being their sufficiency and being their supply and being their help then they're going to have difficulties coping with stress. How many successful people in the sound of my voice or those who are endeavoring to be successful right now who are having difficulties coping with stress? Because if you don't know that God has what's best for you, then you're going to try to go out there and get what's best for you. Anytime you try to go and get what's best for you outside of what's God, what God's timing is for what's best for you, then you're only going to stress yourself out. Number three, ethical dilemmas. A lack of spiritual maturity can result in poor ethical decision-making, potentially leading to actions that harms one's reputation and hinders success. How many people right now have hidden practices, hidden sins, unethical lifestyle decisions that's going to ultimately affect their reputation, affect their success, or block them from being successful, causing shame in the midst of the game? So many people right now, because they're not spiritually mature, because they haven't allowed the fear of God to, to lead them down the wisdom corridors. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. I love that. The fear of God is not the middle of wisdom. The fear of God is not the end of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning. In order for me to be a wise person, a skilled individual that walks in wisdom, I have to revere God. I have to fear God. Wherever you lack reverence for God is the area you lack wisdom of God. So how can you gain wisdom of God in your marriage if you don't reverence God in your marriage? How can you uh, walk in wisdom with your children if you don't respect and honor God with your children? Spiritual maturity is the foundation of all success. If you want to be successful relationally, if you want to be successful professionally, if you want to enhance those different areas, you cannot enhance those areas if you're not spiritually mature. Now, you can have great success, but it'll only be short-lived. Spiritual maturity ensures that those things live and thrive. So ethical dilemmas. A lack of spiritual maturity can result in a poor ethical decision-making, potentially leading to actions that harm one's reputation and hinder success. Number four, shallow relationships. Individuals with spiritual immaturity may have difficulty forming deep, meaningful relationships, which can impact their personal and professional networks. We should endeavor to have depth in our relationships. Our relationships should not be shallow. Spiritual maturity will infuse within you and then will be infused in your relationships a level of empathy, a level of compassion, a level of understanding, a level of wisdom that will take relationships deeper. I don't, my goal in life is not to be shallow with my wife. My goal in life is not to be shallow with my daughter. My goal is to go deep, to find out the deeper depths of my wife, the deeper depths of our purpose, the deeper depths of my daughter. So that when I begin to understand the deep things of God, deep cropped out the deep, that when I go into the deep things of God, then I will understand the deep things of my wife, the deep things of my daughter, because my friends, treasure doesn't float. 
Treasure don't float. Treasure sinks. So people are shallow in the things of God expecting treasure. No, you got to be a scuba diver. You got to go deep in the things of God. You got to say, God, I want to know you in a deep way. Because when I know you in a deep way, I can know my wife. I can know my daughter. You can know your, your people. Your, your marriage will go deeper. And then you will find the treasure. But how many people, I'm going to talk about this later again, how shallow relationships hinder success. But it says individual spiritual immaturity may have difficulty inequipped, unskilled, in forming deep and meaningful relationships, which can impact their personal and professional networks. Number five, lack of resilience. A mature spiritual foundation often contributes to resilience, which is crucial for bouncing back from setbacks and continuing on the path to success. Success from A to Z, people assume is easy. But a lot of people don't understand that there's a whole alphabet in between A and Z. That you may find burdens, you may find chaos, you may find ditches, you may find all different things. Utilize your Im imagination to cultivate a words for the alphabet. You're going to find that in life. But if we don't go deeper in God and grow spiritually, we won't be able to have the spiritual resilience to be able to sustain success. Everybody wants to be successful or everybody wants to take their success to the next level. But my friend, if you're not the size of that success or bigger, then you're not going to draw it in, nor will you keep it in. So resilience is key. We'll talk about that some more later on. Number six, limited compassion and empathy. Success often involves working with others and a lack of spiritual maturity can hinder one's ability to connect with and understand the needs of others. Number seven, self-explanatory. Materialism. Spiritual immaturity can lead to an overemphasis on material possessions and external markers of success, potentially causing dissatisfaction and shallow pursuits. So a spiritually mature person understands, hey, Life is bigger than what these earthly uh, things that I can gather. Number eight, fear and insecurity. A lack of spiritual maturity may result in fear, insecurity, and self-doubt, which can hinder risk-taking and seizing opportunities that lead to success. How many people right now, because they're spiritually mature, they see themselves as grasshoppers in the eyes of their giants? See, the goal about giants is not to view the giant versus you. The goal is to view your giant versus God. See, when you understand your giant versus God and how your giant is like a molecule in the eyes of God, then you'll be able to see through the giant through the lens of God. But if a person goes in like the other 10 spies and they go into the land flowing with milk and honey that was theirs, and they see that there's giants in the land, and they begin to see and tell other people that we are as grasshoppers in their eyes, then they're not going to have success. But those who are spiritually mature always sees things through the bigness of God. Nothing in life, nothing that you're going to face, nothing that's going to cause any type of whatever in your life will ever be bigger than God. And so when you understand how big your God is, it makes all challenges, all circumstances small. And it will it, it will cause you to go seize and possess. Could it be 
that God has given you big opportunities, opportunities so big, but you begin to see how big the giants are in that opportunity. For instance, God is telling you to start a business, but you're looking at all the giants in the marketplace. God is telling you to start that program, but you see all the giants in that in that arena. God is telling you to go and seize the opportunity of your promised land, but you're looking all around your land and seeing all those giants. God is saying, possess the land, seize the land. But God always create big opportunities bigger than you because big opportunities require big faith. Big faith requires big fellowship. And when I fellowship with God and I know who he is and I begin to track his faithfulness and begin to track how good he's been and my mouth has the lungs of lions declaring the glory of God always, then no matter what giant I see within my promised land, I'm still going to seize the opportunity because God is the one that gave me that opportunity. Because no matter if it's a million people against you, you and God outnumber them. So what's the point of being afraid and insecure? What, what, because it's going to take risk. But if God's in the midst, it really ain't a risk. When God's in the midst, it's worth to take the risk. Because if God told you to take it, it's not a risk to you. It's a risk to them. That's why people are afraid to take risks. Because they'll be like, oh, your mom may say, oh, that's a big risk, baby. Daddy going to be like, oh, that's too big of a risk. Everyone talk about it as a risk. But if God is in the midst, it's not a risk to you. So you can go possess your land, seize that opportunity. That will lead to success. Number nine, lack of inner peace. Success without inner peace and contentment. Man, that'll preach. Now I'm going to have to do his own video. All these might get their own video. Success without inner peace and contentment may not lead to true fulfillment, causing a sense of emptiness despite external achievements. There are so many people right now in the sound of my voice who have all these external achievements. Very successful, highly successful, right? But they're empty. They have no inner peace. Like, in order for you to have peace that pieces things together, you have to go to the Prince of Peace. You got to set your mind on God, who will then give you perfect peace. Like, like there's, there's principles in the Word of God. There's spiritual disciplines in the Word of God. There's things that we need to follow in order for us to be spiritually grown in the things of God. So that we'll be able to enjoy the fullness of purpose, the fullness of fulfillment, and not being fulfilled in one area alone, but empty. Do you know there's a lot of people who are successful, but they're empty in their marriage, empty with their children. They have nothing to offer them because the only skills they developed were professional skills. Number 10, narrow perspective. A lack of spiritual maturity can limit one's perspective and creativity. Hindering the ability to see opportunities and solutions from different angles. When you're spiritually mature, the Holy Spirit shows you five different angles. See, the one our natural eye can only see things one dimensionally, but our spiritual eye can see things multidimensionally. See, those who only live in their physical and emotional realms can only see things one dimensional. Those who live from their spirit, live from who they are, can see things multidimensionally. They're able to see the spiritual, the emotional, the mental, the physical, the generational, and the relational angles at one thing. Right now, when you look at one thing, when I look at my wife, I see all five of those things. When I look at my wife, I can see multidimensionally. I can see uh, her spiritually. 
I can see her emotionally and mentally. I can see her physically. I can see her generationally. I can see her relationally. I can see her professionally. Coming from a spiritual man, the Holy Spirit will begin to say, boom, here's your wife. Here's five angles to look at her. Five angles to look at your daughter. Five angles to look at your life. Five angles, six angles, seven angles. You got to look at everything from multiple angles. If you only look at things from a professional angle, but you can't see the spiritual angle, then my friend, you're going to be entangled. So you got to be able to say, okay, God, I need your discernment to give me the clarity of eye to be able to see this guy, to be able to see this girl, to be able to see this situation multidimensionally. That's what this is saying. When a person is spiritually immature, they lack perspective. They have a narrow perspective. They only see things from their physical eye and their emotional and mental eye, but they cannot see it holistically. When you look at a person right now in your life, can you see them multidimensionally? Can you see them generationally? Like right now, I got to look at my daughter generationally. The Bible says a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. I can't just look at her physically. That's cool. Feed her food. See if she's well. Make sure she's okay. I got to see her spiritually. So if I see her spiritually, then I'll create a spiritual climate that ensure that she spiritually grows. When I see her mentally and emotionally, then I got to position myself to be there for her spiritually and emotionally, ultimately leading her to God and be able to live a life that she can replicate and duplicate to the point to where it, it, it calls her to be the individual needs. I got to look at her financially. What can I do to ensure? I'm thinking about the colors I'm going to paint her room, the colors that will, that will lean the Holy Spirit, show me who she is. Show me what her purpose is. Give me a clue so that I can be able to put uh, clues around her that will then pull the purpose out of her that will position her to be financial. So I can be able to show her what it means to steward money and grow in the things of God and, and profit and purpose. I got to look at her generationally. I got to think about, am I creating the atmosphere, the, 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 the standards and principles that ensure that my grandkids won't walk away from God? So a narrow perspective is a sign that you're spiritually mature. If you cannot look at a thing multidimensionally, then my friend, you're really not looking at the thing accurately. I don't know if I want to go over these points. I might just I may just post these notes that I have right here um, in the description box. I might just go over them real quick because I want to answer some questions. And God, it says, God desires our spiritual maturity for several reasons when it comes to building and managing success. But before I, yeah, let's go for it. Number one, align with his will. I'll read this through these quickly. Spiritual maturity helps us align our goals and ambitions with God's will. When we are spiritually mature, we are more attuned to his guidance and are more likely to pursue endeavors that are in harmony with his plans for our lives. The Bible says many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the purpose of the Lord that prevails. It's imperative for us to find God's purpose because God is only going to invest in our in his purpose for our lives. So God wants us to be spiritually mature so that we can become aligned with his will. And if you want to check out more about alignment, check out my fulfillment program. I'll talk about the programs a little bit later. But we talk about a lot about alignment in that program. Number two, ethical and moral foundations. Spiritual maturity fosters a strong ethical and moral foundation. It enables us to make decisions based on principles such as love, compassion, integrity, and justice, which are essential for building and managing success in a way that honors God. 
most of these points I'm going to do a video with because a lot of you guys selected on my community tab on YouTube. A lot of you all selected spiritual growth. And so I want to get I want to create videos that really helps us grow spiritually because spiritual growth is the foundation of all success. Right. We're not talking about self-righteous growth. We're not talking about a person just know the word, but don't know the depths of the word. We ain't talking about people that know scriptures, but don't know how to apply. We're talking about true, authentic spiritual growth because the goal of this channel is to help you grow holistically. For God's optimal use so that God can use you in an optimal way in your marriage, with your children, on your career, because you are growing holistically. Number three, resilience and perseverance. A deep spiritual connection provides the strength and resilience needed to persevere through challenges and setbacks. Spiritual maturity helps us remain steadfast in our faith and determination, even when faced with adversity. Wise decision making. A spiritually mature person is more is often more equipped to make wise and discerning decisions. This wisdom can guide us in choosing the right paths, seizing opportunities, and avoiding pitfalls on the journey to success. Next, compassion and service. Spiritual maturity encourages a heart of compassion and a desire to serve others. Success is not only about personal gain, but also about making a positive impact on the lives of others. This quality is a reflection of God's love and grace. I'll post these in the description box so you guys can have these for your notes. Contentment and fulfillment. True success from a spiritual perspective involves contentment and fulfillment. Spiritual maturity helps us find satisfaction in our relationship with God and the work we do regardless of external circumstance. That's so powerful. And I can't wait to do my video on contentment and fulfillment. That is very key for all success. Humility and gratitude. A spiritually mature individual often possesses humility oh, and gratitude, which are important for acknowledging God's role in success. Recognizing God's blessings and staying humble guards against pride and arrogance, which are torpedoes to success. My favorite one, eternal perspective. Spiritual maturity reminds us <laughs> of our eternal perspective. It helps us focus on values and goals that extend beyond this life, emphasizing the pursuit of a rich and meaningful relationship with God rather than fleeting worldly achievements. Life, the acronym for life is to live it for eternity. And so this video's goal was to get you to become aware of spiritual growth. It was supposed to set the foundation. Because for the next few weeks or so, Lord willing, we're going to really get deep into spiritual growth as the foundation of holistic success. Now, I have a, a worksheet for you all. <clears throat> all right, here's the worksheet. Let me make sure I uh, share the screen. Here we go. Uh oh, there we go. So here's the worksheet here. It says, uh, let me pull up on my screen so I can kind of read it. All right, spiritual growth assessment. Evaluating your spiritual maturity and success vulnerability. <clears throat> I'll say it again. Here's the worksheet, and it says this. It's, spiritual, it's a spiritual growth assessment. Evaluating your spiritual maturity and success vulnerability. That's very key. A lot of people, their success is vulnerable. Or, give me one second. 
All right. So this assessment right here is very crucial to set the foundation because a lot of people, they're pursuing success, but they're not installing successful principles holistically. And because they're not installing successful principles holistically, it is going to affect their success eventually. And so for those who are highly successful and you're rich and you're famous and you're wealthy and you're and you're high up in your success in your in your field. But if you're not spiritually mature, those things are vulnerable. It says for each question, align yourself, assign yourself a score from zero to five. Zero meaning no maturity at all, no growth at all, and five meaning full maturity. All right, so here we go. Here comes some of the questions. It says here, um, spiritual understanding and belief. I have a clear understanding of my core spiritual beliefs and values. I consistently practice my faith and engage in spiritual activity. So you see, for each one, put a number, either, either zero or five, all right? And then at the end, here is how you score it. Add up your scores for all 20 questions. So you'll say, if I got a four here, a three here, a two here, a zero here, add all your numbers up, and here's your score. Your spiritual maturity level and its potential impact on success vulnerability can be interpreted as follows. If you have a 20 to 40, you have low spiritual maturity, which means high vulnerability. So if your score is between 20 and 40 out of these 20 questions, that means you have low spiritual maturity and your success has high vulnerability. If your score is a 41 to 60, you have moderate spiritual maturity which means moderate vulnerability. That means you mature, but there's a lot of areas potentially that are vulnerable for the enemy to come in to steal that success. 61 to 80, high spiritual maturity, low vulnerability. So this assessment is very key for you and I to see <clears throat> where we are in our spiritual maturity so that we'll be able to say, okay, man, how much of my success is vulnerable? So this worksheet is free, but also there's reflection questions. What surprised you about your score? Reflect on the specific questions or sections where your score were higher or lower than you expected. What surprised you about your self-assessment in those areas? Consider how these insights might inform your journey towards spiritual growth and success. Next, what steps can you take to strengthen your spiritual maturity? Based on your assessment results, identify areas where you would like to improve your spiritual maturity. What specific actions or practice can you implement to strengthen your spirituality and, and align your success with your beliefs and values? Reflect on how these changes may positively impact your life and endeavors. Also, for those, I want to invite you to an opportunity. It says here, would you like to deepen your spiritual maturity for holistic success? If so, scan the QR code to learn more about my Fulfillment Holistic Success Program, which will help you grow faster and deeper in this area. And so if you're an individual right now, you say, coach, I need to go deeper spiritually, holistically to ensure that generationally my lineage, my family, my legacy thrives. And if you're a person that says, hey, I want to in the next six months or so, I want to be a part of your program, coach. I want to go from being spiritually immature to being spiritually mature and, 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 and build the foundation for success so that when I'm married or when you have children or whatever area of your life, you will begin to have the spiritual principles already installed or installing into your marriage right now or installing into your parenting so that you can grow holistically.
for God's optimal. So I want to invite you to go to mycoachjosh.com forward slash coaching programs. I'll post the link now. And what this program is going to do is really help you fast track yourself a whole list of success that will honor God and will be uh, a blessing to those beyond you. So let me go ahead and post that link now for those who want to take that next step. I'm inviting you. If you want that mentorship, most of my programs are going to be mentorship programs, group coaching, mentoring programs. And you like coach, you're the one that I feel in my spirit that God wants to use to help me grow holistically so I can truly have full fulfillment in every area of my life so that when I stand before God, it won't be awkward. So that when I stand before God, he will be able to say without hindrance, well done my good and faithful service. So does this message resonate with you and you want to go deeper? Then my friend, check that coaching program out right now. We'll be starting up in about a month and a half. I'm only going to take about 25 people in my elite fulfillment program. And I'll probably take about 50 or so in the, in the fulfillment program, the six month program, and then my other mindset program. So go to my website. I have a brand new website. I redid my website Check out the programs that I'm offering. Check out the services that I'm offering. Check out the books that I have, the card games that I have that I truly believe will help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. So let's get some questions, and I got to get up out of here. Let's see what we got. Jamari, my brother, how you doing, family? Jamari will tell you. Jamari has been a part of my mindset program, and so he'll definitely uh, uh, let you guys know how those programs have been a blessing to his life. Jojo Davis says, What's up, Coach Josh? It's Jojo out of Fort Worth, Texas. How do I focus on being one with God and allow him to teach me instead of just focusing on success and money? Great question. See, the thing about success is you have to be attractive enough for success. The goal in life, contrary to the world standards, the world says go chase the money. The world says go chase the, the fame. Go chase the success. No, no, no. God says let those things chase you while you're walking with me. So when you understand that biblical principle, that walking with God will cause me to magnify God in my life, which then create that magnetic pull in my life, that as I'm walking with God, favor of the favor of God begins to surround me. The things that I have in life will come looking for me. Then when you begin to understand that success and money is a byproduct of spiritual growth, that, that success and money is a byproduct of personal growth, then my friend, you will focus strictly on becoming. One of the five steps to higher fulfillment that's in my fulfillment program is becoming. One of my favorite places to bring my clients through. When we get to becoming, we really begin to talk about the difference between uh, human having and human being. A lot of people are human havings. They only want to have, but we're not called human havings. We're not called human doings. We're called human beings. Human beings are being. An orange tree is being an orange tree. An apple tree is being an apple tree. A fox is being a fox. A lion is being a lion. The only difference between those beings and us as beings, we can be anything we want to be, even though it's con even though even if it's contrary to what we're supposed to be. We're the only ones that can be what we were never meant to be. We're the only species that can be what it was never meant to be. An apple tree will never be an orange tree outside of any type of genetic altering. A, a frog can only be a frog. A lion can only be a lion. A sheep can only be a sheep. Those things can only be what they are. 
Human beings are the only ones that can be what they were never meant to be. And do you understand the, the consequences and the ramifications of not being who you need to be? The goal is not about having. The goal is about being. So the more I be who God has called me to be, the more I'll have what God desires me to have. Because God's not going to have you have something that you're half of. God would never allow you to have what you're half of. And a lot of us ain't even half of the half we need to be to have what we desire to have. So the goal in life is to be who God told you to be and become greater than that. So the goal in life is to focus on mastery. There's two things that you have to focus on. Walking with the master, mastering your craft. When you do those two things, man, money and success will come. The only way money finds me, success finds me so many ways because I'm being who I'm supposed to be. I wrote the books I was supposed to write. I created the card games I was supposed to create. I'm doing the videos that, I, that I'm led to do. Now, when someone buys a program right now or someone invests in themselves in my fulfillment coaching program or my resilient mindset program or when someone goes on Amazon and purchases a book or when someone goes out there and buy a card game or when someone books a coaching session or when someone says the Holy Spirit told me to donate to you a million dollars, if I didn't do the video, if I didn't become the person able, skilled enough to do what I'm doing, I would not have the opportunities for whatever comes from whatever I'm doing right now. So how do you focus on being one with God? Understand that it's in him that we live, move, and have our being. So all you got to do is focus on your relationship with God. Get into your word. Let God handle your success. You are in partnership. The Bible says promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from the best. It comes from above. So there's no need to stress. So what you can, what, what I do now, right now, I don't know what the next 40 years hold for me. I don't know. But I know who holds those 40 years, 50 years. And so all I got to do is hold what he told me to hold now. Hold my wife, hold my daughter, hold my integrity, hold my empathy, hold my compassion, hold my love, hold the word of God, hide it in my heart, and the rest will take care of itself. So don't focus on success and money because anytime you focus on those things, those things run from you. But the more you focus on God and focus on developing yourself, those things will be chasing you down. And for those who's watching, say, man, I want to be a part of that coaching program where I want to learn how to become. And I want to be who I need to be at a high level so that I can be the husband I need to be, to be the wife I need to be, to be the parent I need to be, to be the entrepreneur I need to be, to be the man of God, the woman of God I need to be so that I can attract the things that God wants to give. Do you know God desires to give you things? But the only reason why those things have been expired, your, how your desires have been expired is because you haven't aspired to be who you needed to be. And if you want to learn more about that, check out my coaching program, Fulfillment. You got two. You can fast track it in six months. Or if you want a comprehensive 12-month mentorship and mastermind where you'll be able to meet with me uh, uh, face-to-face at events and, and be a part of my inner circle and really get your life really fine-tuned relationally, professionally, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, uh, financially, all those different areas, then check out the comprehensive program, Fulfillment Elite which is for those who really want to invest in themselves. These programs, you got to be willing to invest in you. The work has already been done and I'm inviting you into it. Let's get to a next question. Jesse says, brother, I am just glad they don't allow the likes of some preachers to be certain. Who are you telling? It's crazy. Most preachers do not know how to do spiritual surgery. Imagine going to a hospital 
and you need immediate surgery. And they place you with a doctor who didn't go to school, who is not skilled in surgery. What would you do? You will leave that room in a hurry, right? Wouldn't you? I would. And it's crazy how many people go to these churches where the pastor don't even know how to do surgery. Do you know you can really interpret the value of a church based upon what the preacher preaches? If you haven't heard anything about sin, if you haven't heard anything about repentance, if you haven't had no deep dive studies on the, on the basic things of life, I'm talking about life changing things. If if the preacher is more flashy and, and, and more about himself or about herself than my friend at the wrong church, that person cannot help with God and spiritual surgery. So the thing about preachers, preachers are meant to be nurses while God is the surgeon. While God and through the Holy Spirit is making surgery in their lives, we as nurses are supposed to supply the surgeon, are supposed to supply the comfort, are supposed to supply, uh, supply the information. Oh, yeah. Right now, I can see that when I bring the doctor in, he's going to do surgery on your abandonment. So here are some sermons that's going to put you in a state of mind. Here's a pamphlet that's going to let you better understand about abandonment, what the word of God says about abandonment. So that you'll know that when God is doing surgery on you, he's getting rid of that abandonment. So it's crazy how many pastors can't help the surgeon do surgery. That's why it is your responsibility to go to the right hospitals, to go to the right churches and not go to these places that have put you in hearses. We will come out of a surgery to repair a broken leg walking. Oh, she's preaching now. Jesse's preaching. If they were messing up surgeries, <clears throat> The, the way they preach. Amen, amen, amen. Let's see what other questions we got. <clears throat> Jody Summer says, about eight minutes, I got to go. Jody Summer says, how to not feel pressured by people to date? Do I need to take any steps to find who God has for me? I don't like ta uh, taking chances because I would rather have confirmation to pursue someone. Great question, my friend. Let's break it down. How to not feel pressured by people to date? At the end of the day, those individuals are not going to be the individuals in your marriage. Anytime you're pressured is because a person wants you to be at a certain position for their own vision. So now they feel insecure for you or they feel bad for you or they want to put you in a position that you're not prepared for. It's crazy how many of us allow people to pressure us into positions that we're not prepared for. Anytime a person pressures you, that person is pressuring you not from the peace of God, but from their own perspectives. See, God doesn't pressure. God's a God of pleasure. And if you're not a person that says, uh, 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 how can I serve you? Or it's my pleasure to serve you. And you won't be able to reciprocate the pleasure of God as far as how God desires to please and to desi uh, desires to ease, right? The disease. When you understand the difference between the two, then you won't be able to, you won't entertain the pressuring individuals because they're pressuring from a false perspective. They're pressuring because they probably love you too much or they're pressuring you because they want a couple's, they want you to, uh, to level up in your coupleness so they can have couple friends. So do I need to take any steps to find? You don't have to take any steps to find the person for you. Hear me closely. God does arrange marriages. Trust me, you, you, you will prefer that over any other method. 
I'm so glad that God arranged my marriage. And a lot of people, they think as men, they think they're responsible for going out. The Bible says when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. That finding doesn't mean that a man goes out there looking for a wife. What that means is that man is following God. And as that man is following God, he found his wife along the way. I found my life, my wife along the way. I found my wife along the way. What's the way? My purpose. My wife literally walked into my Bible study. Imagine this. Imagine me never doing that Bible study called Unplugged. Imagine me never pursuing my purpose. I would have never met my wife. If God, if I didn't obey God in writing that book Unplugged, that book Unplugged wouldn't have sparked the ideal through the help of the Holy Ghost to start an Unplugged Bible study. And if I would have never started an Unplugged Bible study and didn't have people coming to it, her closest friend at the time would have never brought her to it. So what am I trying to say? As I was following God, and fulfilling his purpose for my life, I found my wife along the way. If you want to find your wife, if you want to find your spouse, you got to make sure that you are within the proximity of your purpose. If you're not in the proximity of your purpose, you won't be in the proximity of your person. Purpose first. Before purpose, the person. The more you understand the person of God, the more you understand your personality. The more you begin to understand your personality, the more you understand your purpose. The more you understand your purpose and function in your purpose, you set yourself up to have a high probability to finding your person. God is not going to have you meet your person before your purpose. Before God gave Adam an assistant, he gave Adam an assignment. It was in Adam's assignment that he was able to recognize his assistant. The Bible says, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. He was able to call her by name. The only reason why he was able to call her accurately by name was because he had practiced naming animals. So how are you going to be able to name your wife if you haven't named your purpose? Until you name your purpose, your purpose, you will not be able to name or recognize your person. So the only way I was able to give my wife and name her the last name Ezzy, if I didn't find my purpose, I would have never named her Miss Ezzy. <laughs> if I didn't name my ministry Unplugged, if I didn't name those t-shirts Eternity, if I didn't name that book that I wrote Unplugged, if I didn't name that second book World War Me, if I didn't name uh, that I was going to be located here, if I didn't know how to name the things before I met my wife, I would have never gave my wife my last name. If you can't name your purpose, how can you endeavor to give your wife your last name? Because that last name needs to have weight to it. See, I want my last name to be so heavy that my, my daughter's going to have to meet a man equal to or above that name. Or she's going to want to hyphenate it. Hope that help. Well, I preach that thing. I better, I better go on. <laughs> I, might, I might have to do a video on that. Coach people, how do you coach perfection? Oh, coach people, how do you coach perfection? I don't, that's probably a statement from, from the uh, video. Go after God. Amen. This is great stuff, Coach Josh. God gets the glory. Andy Milan says, when God is in the midst, it's not a risk. Take that leap of faith. Amen. Next video. September's Pastor says, can you make a video or series about how to write a book and publish it? Oh, yeah. I want to publish my first book. 
But all is don't finish right. And I sure will. Lord leading. I actually have a course that I'm working on right now on that. But um, give me some time. I'll get that course together for you. Um, cause I'm a, those type of things I want to put in a course because, cause I want to give so much value that, that, that people can invest into. Cause when you invest in something and invest in yourself, you have a higher probability of completing it. And so I want to create a course for people to be able to invest in themselves, to learn what it means to write that book and publish it. Cause if I do it in a YouTube video, I would do it a disservice. Now I can give great value. In a YouTube video, please understand I can I can give value, but if I put it in a systematic course, especially from someone that wrote ten of them and working on my eleventh book right now, then, then I think you will be able to get more from that uh, resource. And so, reach out to me. Uh, go to my website, mycoachjosh.com. Reach out to me, and, and what I'll do is I'll uh, I'll save your email. I'll reach reach out to me so I'll know uh that that you want the program maybe uh um sign up not sign up but just message me and put and put book publish or write my first book as a subject line so that when i start this course and put it out there you can i can search though anybody who's watching right now you say hey coach i want to write my first book and if you want to get there and you want to be a part of that course when it happens where you'll be able to get some maybe some live zooms with me so i could be able to uh, work walk you through that then y'all all message me right now Go to my website, mycoachjosh.com. Go to the contacts page. Write, uh, uh, write my first book, so that when I search it, when I when that course come out, I can send that course to you. Let me know if there's anybody else watching right now. Comment. Let me know who else will be interested in that. Or it's going to be how to write your first book. I'm going to create another course as well on how to jumpstart your God-given idea. For those who may not write books, but they have a business and all that kind of stuff. Because I'm an entrepreneur as well. I'm a preacher, but I'm an entrepreneur as well. And I've had uh, over 16 years of entrepreneur experience, business experience that, that I can help people start. One thing about me, I'm not afraid to start. And you shouldn't either. TJ Dream says, sup, coach? Why is it that lately I've been seeing a lot of uh, 100s and 11s or 1s? And also, I haven't had much time to watch YouTube and binge watch Netflix shows on my off days or when I get off work either. I'm not. that. That's not my arena. I do know numbers have significance to it, but what I would do is write that on the side, write that in your phone, go to the Holy Ghost and say, Holy Spirit, in your timing, if there's any any merit to this, anything about this, reveal it to me in your timing so that I'll be able to understand what that means. That's what I do when I see a bunch of numbers, when I see a bunch of patterns, I go to the Holy Ghost and say, Holy Spirit, reveal this to me in your proper time. But for me, I don't know exactly what that means. Louis Soldier said, what does it really mean to let go and let God? Do I just sit back and allow God to do everything without putting in any effort? Great question. Letting go and letting God means letting go of what God can only do. Letting go and letting God means I'm letting go of what only God can do. When you understand partnership, you understand, for instance, in my business, there's, there's me, there's other people that got contract. The reason why I contract other people because they have a better skill set in the area than me. And that's why I'm working hard to get myself to a certain level financially where I can hire editors and I can hire people that, that can do what I am not specialized in. And so in order for my business to grow, I got to let go. In order for your life to grow, you got to let go. And so, for instance, you have to let go of your desire to find a spouse. Keep on saying. You and I have to let go of 
things that only God can do. For instance, some people have to literally let go of their singleness. They have to let go of their strong desires for marriage. They have to let go of their strong desires for that because only God can do that. God doesn't need your help in finding the one. He only wants you to help yourself to become the one that can find the one and steward the one. So letting go and letting God means writing on a sheet of paper and writing everything that you want to happen in your life. And then ask yourself, at what percentage is my responsibility and God's responsibility? God is the only one that goes out and gets and, and brings and, and navigates to your life. The goal is for you to become more like him so that it is in his providential time for you to be partnered with those things. So that doesn't mean that you sit back and allow God to do everything. What you must do now and what I must do now is to grow, is to master, is to develop skills. So for instance, if you really want God to bring in a husband, or if you really want God to bring in a wife, or if you really want God to bring in the type of life you desire, you got to begin to investigate what is required for one to manage that. And then you put your effort in that. You put your effort into becoming. Like in my fulfillment program, one of my five steps to higher fulfillment is the becoming phase. The five steps is awareness, number one. Number two, belief. Number three is becoming. And so when you focus on, okay, this is what I want to come in. This is what I need to be. That's become. If I want this to come into my life, that means I have to be this in my life. If I don't be this in my life, this won't come into my life. So therefore I have to become. So write on the sheet of paper everything that you want to happen in your life. And then really, really see, look at that and say, you know what? Oh, that's God's job. That's God's job. But this is my job. So, for instance, if you want to let go of the desires of marriage, you let go of your desire of marriage by saying, okay, God, I'm going to give you my marriage. But what I'm going to focus on is becoming the husband and wife I need to be. Your responsibility is to become. His responsibility is to deliver up there, but God will not deliver if you're not delivered. God will not deliver if you're not delivered. God is trying to deliver you before he delivers to you. God is trying to deliver you before he delivers you to what you want to be delivered to you. What I mean by that? God, there's a lot of things inside of us that we are hindering the process of God delivering to us because we're not allowing God to deliver us. God wants to deliver you from that addiction. He wants to deliver you from that pornography. He wants to deliver you from that lust. He wants to deliver you from that arrogance. He wants to deliver you from that pride. All of us, we want the things from the outside, but we don't want to be, we want things to be delivered to us from the outside, but we don't want to be delivered from the things on the inside. So before God delivers to you, he wants to deliver He wants to deliver you. Most people want God to deliver to them or to deliver through them, but they don't want God to deliver them. See, the things you want delivered to you and the things that you want God to deliver through you can't happen if you're not delivered. So what I mean by delivered through you, a lot of us, they want, we want God to anoint what we do. See, Talents are given without repentance. God gave you that talent. And he's not, he's not going to take it from you. But I don't want to be talented alone. I want to be anointed. I want my talent to be anointed. I want my mastery to be anointed. I want that when I speak, yokes fall off. 
See, talent don't destroy the yokes. Anointing does. So a person can get up there and sing all day. It may move the people emotionally, but it won't break the chains off them mentally. It won't break the chains off them soulishly. It won't set their spirit man free. But, oh, you shouted. Oh, you cried because you, you think worship is emotional, not spiritual. And so when we understand that in order for things to be delivered to us, in order for things to be delivered through us at a high level, we got to allow God to deliver out of us. So what are those things you need God to deliver out of you before he before he delivers those things you desire to you? Holy Spirit said, that's it. Yep. Man, he said, that's it. I just got to obey. I don't know if I should screenshot these questions. Let me screenshot these questions. How do I screenshot? Uh, there we go. I screenshot it. Good questions. Good questions. Kid, what's going on? See, the babies are watching. Kid, she getting to worry. She got her hands up. <laughs> Thank you for watching, kid. Love you all. Y'all be blessed. Listen, I invite you to check out my mindset program. If you're mentally cluttered and you want to be mentally clear in three months, I got a resilient mindset program for you. Check out the testimony. They up there now. Check out all the people that have been impacted. I got more videos I got to record, but check Regina's story out. Check out all the testimonies of our people who's been through the resilient program. Also check out all the testimonies of the people who's been through my fulfillment process. And from that fulfillment process, I created a whole fulfillment group coaching program. And so if you want to get to a place where you're becoming the person you need to be, and you want to have what you desire to have, and you want to uh, fulfill at a higher level, you want to save your marriage, what would it cost you to save your marriage? What, what would it cost you if you don't save your marriage? What would it cost you if you don't take the time to save your children? What would it cost if you're not really saved in your soul? How much would it cost you if you don't save your health? That's what higher fulfillment is. It's saying, you know what? You may be successful professionally. You may have a lot of money or you may be a person that's an entrepreneur, a coach, an executive, a professional, and you're endeavoring to be successful and you're almost there or you're already there. But you don't have the proper systems installed in your life to ensure that your marriage is thriving. Do you know that it doesn't matter how professionally successful you are, you can become more successful if your marriage is successful, that you can become more successful if your kids are successful, that you can be more successful if you're spiritually successful. Do you know you can make more money when you make more in your other areas of life? Because it's hard for you to be successful if you got a wife problems, husband problems, children problems. You may have success now, but how much would it cost to help your child get off of drugs? You know how many successful kids I counsel in school who parents live in rich neighborhoods and they got a lot of money, but their kids are messed up in the head? And how these kids, these parents are paying therapists all this money. They're paying a psychiatrist all this money because they were bad parents. How many people right now got to pay half of what they made in a divorce? For lawyers and stuff because they didn't know they didn't follow God's principles in marriage. How many people right now are building a bunch of stuff now, but they're one bad decision away of ruining their reputation and their legacy? Does any of this resonate with you? If it does and it puts some pain and you feel that and you scared about that, that you may lose your wife, lose your husband, lose your children, lose because the holes in your marriage, the holes in your parenting, the holes in your spiritual life, the holes in any in, in area of life will put holes in your success. 
Those holes will get to your money bags and you will lose money in the process. God wants us to steward money, not lose money. He wants us to create an inheritance for our children, children, but it has to be holistic. And if that resonates with you or you know somebody in your life and you say they need this program, coach, send them this video and send them this timestamp. And if you need that resilient mindset, coach, and that you want to have the mindset that's able to be resilient in the, in the, in the process of pursuing your purpose, whether it's discovering it, developing it or distributing it in all forms of purpose, then check out that mindset program. It's your fastest way to ensure that you have a holistic success in your life. So check out the testimonials, all the people that's been impacted uh, with it. I'll be adding more testimonials there. Um, or if you've been, if you've been uh, in a part of my programs, you want to give a testimony, you can do that as well. Um, and check out the formats of the programs, whole new website, check it out. Uh, all those right now that are looking for worksheets, I got to I gotta add all the worksheets from my older video, from my older website to my new website. So I'm going to be adding all my worksheets there eventually. Be patient with me, please, as we get those worksheets together. But this worksheet's on the new website right now. So it's the first one. It's the first one there. And so check out all my resources. Uh, Multi-Purposes, the book that started the movement that I'm working on now. Great book on purpose. Uh, check out my book on soul ties. And listen, if you're if you're tugged, then there's a tie. If there's any tug, there's a tie. Little tug, little tie. Medium tug, medium tie. Big tie, big tug. Big tug, big tie. <laughs> so if you want to learn how to untie soul ties, uproot strongholds, this book's uh, The Purpose of Freedom be a great review. If you're looking at a situation right now or individual, you don't know if it's a counterfeit or a counterpart, this book, Counterfeit a Counterpart, would be a great resource for you. If you want to learn how to uh, uh, overcome the pressures of your feelings and to find the facts behind them so that you can do what you got to do and not be so controlled by your feelings, this book, Facts Over Feelings, will be a great resource for you. If you're struggling with uh, understanding the purpose of your singleness and you really want to position yourself for the purpose of mingleness, <laughs> then this book right here, The Purpose of Singleness, will be a great resource for you. If you want to better understand the wholeness and you want to hold the things of your life better, this book, The Wholeness Journal, this book plus the multi-purpose book, are two of the books that created these programs that I think will be a blessing to you. If you're single, dating, or married, and you really want to make sure that you guys are on the same page, the same sentence in the same paragraph, on the same page in your relationship, or if you're dating someone, you want to ask the right question to see if this relationship should end or extend, then this book, Dating Prep, is a good book if you're single. And you just want to make sure you understand that you're ready for that dating experience of dating your love, your life forever. This book, Dating Prep, will be a great resource for you. And we also have a card game. Check it out. Great fun card game with all about 200 questions to ask uh, that significant other to see if there's any significance for him to be your other or for her to be your other. If you have a young person and you want them to better understand who they are and find their art early or start their art early, and you have a third grader and up, this book, as he says, Asians for the students I serve be a great resource for them. These are my wife and I's cartoon characters. If you struggle with spiritual warfare and you really want to understand how understand the whole armor of God, this book, World War Me, will be a great, great resource. I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Thank y'all so much. If you've been watching this far, man, you're really wanting to invest in yourself. So I'm proud of you for sticking with me this far. Download the worksheet. Link in the description box below. Invest in yourself. Just by getting that worksheet, if that's all you can do, invest in yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to take you to the best of yourself. And if you need my help in any kind of way, check out my group coaching programs or if you need some one on one coaching or all this stuff, check out my website. Love y'all. If you want to support what I do on this channel or you just feel like the Lord is leading you to be a blessing to give, you can do so as well 
Um, links in the description box below. Go to my Give Back tab. You can donate through there to help support our mentoring program. Thank you so much. Help the YouTube channel as well. Thank you so much for your generosity in advance. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Peace.